0: last time on multiversal Q, except that technically our most last episode was the okay last time on dc one million the justice league from the er
1: shit look at luke trying to be clever and fucking it up
0: Mm hey do you know what's really bad because what? this is going up in like an hour or so, this is an edit-free episode.
1: Even better. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, if you haven't listened to our other DC One Million episodes, that's your problem and your bad decisions. So, yep. Yeah, we are doing this edit-free style because we both had busy weekends.
1: That we did. Part,
0: but this is part three of our DC One Million episode. Uh, The first comic we're covering is Legionnaires One Million, which was written by Tom Pyre with art by Sean Phillips, colors by Tom McCraw, and letters by Comicraft. And Legionnaires were sort of the older version of the original Legion of Superheroes when they were no longer able to be teens, because there used to be this whole rule where you had to be a teenager to be in the Legion of Superheroes. And those guys are like jerks. Oh, good. Like they'd come back and mess with Superboy, which was Superman when he was a boy, or like Supergirl. Like there was one time where they needed Supergirl's help and she was trying to try it for the team. But in the end, she ended up burrowing so fast and was like affected by red kryptonite so that when she was done, she was technically too old to be a member of the Legion of Superheroes, so they wouldn't let her in even though she risked her life for them. They are just garbage teens in the best best and worst way. I'm into that. Yeah. They are who the uh, champions of the Shi'ar Empire are based off of. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. BS. It is the future, and there is a group called the United Planets, which is home to Justice Legion L. The members include Brainiac 417, who comes from Kolu Uh Kolu was the home of the computer tyrants, who eventually created Brainiacs, Uh, Bigzl, or Big Tizzle, is a planet that was in the same space on Earth, but it was in another dimension. So, like, all the people from Big Tizzle were sort of ghosts, and as Kolu and Big Tizzle grew closer and merged together, it ended up making, like, a ghost computer hive mind, which makes up Brainiac 417. Uh, The second planet is uh, Daxum Imsk. Which is home of the Mon Elves. Daxum was the home of the Daxamites who the most famous member was Mon-El, who you might know from the Supergirl TV show, except he's very different because he's not from the future in that show. But it's pretty much Super uh, but it's pretty much Superman except their son didn't transform till later in history. And if I recall, originally he could only use one of Superman's powers at a time. And uh, Imps Yeah. And Imsk was the home of the uh shrinking Violet with the power to shrink. And yes. because they Yeah. And because they had this uh, power they kept growing smaller and smaller. And so their planets got stuck together, so now there's a bunch of tiny supermen called the Mon Elves. Mon Elves, I've got the ill communication. Mon elves, I got the ill communication. Mon elves, I got the ill communication.
1: They probably make good cookies too. Yes,
0: and then there is Karg, where Implicate Girl is from, and they are obsessed with the number three. Implicate Girl can access up to the power. Uh, Implicate Girl can access the powers of any three people from her homeworld. There is also Titan, which is the moon of telepaths, which is really a space nursing home where the hyper rich pay the Titan so they can try and see heaven. And that's where Titan Girl comes from. There is Chameleon World, which is a mystery, and it is home to the Chameleon. And there is Taloc 8, which is a fundamentalist world, home to Umbra. And the last is Brawl, where the people used to have magnetic powers, and they decided, oh, we're going to have magnetic powers, we should make ourselves into robots. And it is home to the leader of the bunch, Cosmic Bot. On Brawl, a zealot named Agent F was wielding a toy that could shape reality, Uh, Some science officers tried to stop him, he turned them into flesh and blood, luckily Titan Girl and the Mon Elves showed up, saved them, and and then he teleported himself to the core of the sun, and he started working to try and turn it off, the rest of the Legionnaires headed towards the sun, and Titan Girl was able to get him to question his own existence, which made him unshape himself from reality. While stuck in the sun, the ship broke down, and Brainiac asked Chameleon to transform and save them which Chameleon did reluctantly because it was against his faith, but he was able to get them out. Back at the base, Cosmic Bot and Titan Girl were examining the Dreamer, who's another member of the team who just has psychic projections, and uh, they have a vision that they weren't sure what it is. They thought it was about the sun breaking. Cosmic Bot, being unsure what's going on, went to consult Wild Flame, which was a system that allowed them to see 85,000 years of the Legion's past. Though Umbra really didn't want him to look into the past. And he got visions of past Legions, including how there were lots of Superboys and how they joined the United Planets together. But Cosmic Bot really isn't aware of how that's supposed to help. Uh, Brainiac ends up joining with Cosmic Bot, and they sense danger that will come from within the United Planets, and they suddenly have a swarm of extinct. Mineral-eating aliens attacking the planet, and Titan Girl summons the team together. During the fight, Umbra spirits the Dreamer way to the uh, darkness so she won't get attacked as the Legion continues to fight. Cosmic Bot realizes that they are being targeted, and he also has one of his metal hands eaten off because these monsters eat metal and magnetism. Chameleon turns into a flesh ball and takes the monsters out, but when he did so, he broke his vow again. And even worse, it turns out that the metal monsters have eaten the magnetic field that was holding the United Planets together, meaning that they will drift apart. As Chameleon returns, Umber thinks that he was behind it. Brainiac goes back in time to get Superboy from a thousand years in the past. And the reading order is weird because, like, the follow-up issue for this is actually the last issue... In the uh, DC 1 Million series, so hopefully you remember all of that stuff when we cover that one at the end of next episode. Get on it. Mm-hmm. Up next is Azrael 1 Million, which was written by Dennis O'Neill, with art by Vince, with, with, art by Vince Giorano, colors by Demetrius Basukas, separations by Prismacolor, with Ken Brosnyak on the letters. And here, Azrael is not a real angel, but he just got his wings from Sister Dumas, and they allow him to teleport anywhere, which he immediately starts doing. She invented the wings for a real angel, but they really didn't want to work with this group, and so they had to go with whoever they could who would want to join their order. As she tries to explain all this, Azrael, who's a dumbass, teleports himself to Proctolis, which is known as the asshole of the galaxy, where he ends up covered in muck. She explains that he should never go to a place in space and time that he's already been, or else it will uh, cause a super evil to appear. And also, you're not supposed to travel back more than 100 years, or you end up discorporating. Azrael's mission, as it's given to him, is to seek truth and beauty, to promote harmony, and to recognize evil. Azrael quickly gets bored and teleports to Earth, where he sees one of the Green Arrows facing a giant monster... Azrael takes the Green Arrow's bow and kills the monster, only to learn that it was the Green Arrow's master. Azrael is not really happy about being Azrael is not really happy about being yelled at, so he runs off to Pluto where he finds Catwoman and Robin. But they've already beaten their enemy, so he teleports to Mars where he finds some of the Hawkmen, who are space police. They are are they are waiting for something called a frixit to wake up, just in case it's uh one of two types of Frixits. One is a deadly killing machine, and the other, which is a Bodleian Frixit, wakes up and spreads peace and joy, but you don't really know what they are until they actually wake up, so Azrael teleports again. He decides to travel back in time to the 20th century, where he sees Azrael fighting Two-Face, but because he traveled back too far in time, he is just a spirit, so he returns back to Mars in his present, and Azrael comments that the spirit almost got him killed. Back on Mars, the Frixit got up, and Azrael killed it, and unsurprisingly, it was a Bodleian Frixit. The Hawkmen are angry, so he returns home and ends up bumping into himself in the time stream. They each think that the other one is evil, and they start fighting until Sister Dumas shows up and stops him. She reveals that when she uh, said that he'd meet evil, she meant that he was doing evil. And she tells him that both of them are technically real, and they'll probably merge together sometime. And the two of them run off to do really stupid good. I'm not entirely sure what the point of it was. No, this was a weird issue. Yeah. it It was very, very strange. Up next is Chase One Million, which was written by D. Curtis Johnson, with pencils by J.H. Williams III, inks by Mick Gray, colors and separations by Lee Lawridge, and lettering by Comicraft. So, normally Cameron Chase is an agent of the D.E.O. working in New York City. Her dad was secretly a superhero who got murdered violently by a supervillain, and so Chase ended up developing a hatred of super beings she had the ability to subconsciously dampen superhero powers when she was threatened and it's one of those like well regarded series that i have not read and this was also the last issue of that series okay. she recently appeared in the supergirl comic book
1: oh nice i have not read any mm-hmm. of the new dc stuff the new supergirl Apparently, batman just proposed to um the catwoman
0: I don't know which one that happened
1: in. I, the new Batman. It was, I really enjoyed it because and Conway said it, was reading it and was talking about it. Then Tom King's comment was, maybe I should uh, put in more political message, such as Batman saying, lying is bad. Alfred, indeed.
0: So we get introduced to the world as a new reporter is asking what... Uh, as a new report is asking whether the DEO is real or fake, and questioning if they are hunting down people with superpowers or not, and we find out that the media is a tool that is being used to hire, that is being used to hide the truth of the DEO. We see three, uh, we see three DEO agents, Chase, Snare, and Lead, working to catch a power icon dealer, and power icons give you the powers of whoever symbol you have it it's bigger in some of the later series and the penalty for this crime is being removed from the data network so basically you no longer have a digital footprint which is sort of like losing your social security number and like all of your identification of government systems if you had the resources you could do a lot of good with it but chances are you're going to lose all those resources as a result The uh, criminal they're facing starts using some powers on them, but the lead chase agent uh, has a special power to neutralize his offensive ones, and when he tries to teleport away using an ambush bug icon, he gets stuck in a wall and dies, but not before uttering the word Chitto. They end up returning to Director Skull. Normally, the director of the DEO is Director Bones, and she is unhappy that someone died, since they have no idea what or who Chito is, but they do some digging and they find someone of that name on Mars who had a past record and who currently lives off of a network. Worried about the dealer, Skull grants him a number of icons to help deal with this potential threat. They end up finding Chito's house and they learn that he was cut off from the headnet, which is the whole internet system, and so he lives in a house with books which Chase finds barbaric. He argues that nobody knows about him and that he's been cut off from people, but the other agents don't believe him and try and start extracting information from him. That's when his daughter, Alouette, shows up and reveals that she was the supplier, but she had a reason. The icons that she was selling were lab prototypes, and Sandoval, who was the dealer, lied about just being a collector when he actually intended to sell them off. She wanted to survive, but there is nothing legal that she could do to make a living. They scan her and find that she was. They scan her and find out that she was not lying. Her dad attacks and she is forced to respond, knocking out Snare and Lead. Chase follows after her and is told that she needs to nullify Alouette's powers. But Chase refuses and is ordered back to the base because she has concerns about the system and punishments. Chase reveal. Skull reveals that she had the same questions and that's how she ended up becoming the leader of the D.E.O. Because she had to learn more so she could actually believe in what they were doing. And so she sends Chase to read some new files that she has access to before they go to talk about her future. Was that sound in the back?
1: That was my roommate coffee. Kevin?
0: Oh, Okay. Up next is Creeper 1 Million, which was written by Lynn Kaminsky, with pencils by Sean Martin-Brow, inks by Saab uh colors by Sherilyn Van Valkenburg, and letters by Willie Schubert. Creeper lives on the planet AI, where every thought from all of reality has shown up, and our narrator is Ryder. Where he normally exists in the information field, but he ends up getting transformed into the Creeper, which here is this multi-headed, multi-armed yellow humanoid, just like the normal Creeper. And he ends up traveling through time, coming out of the mouth of the original Creeper in the past, in front of Jack Ryder, who had just slid off from the Creeper using a new drug. But it turns out the Creeper that he split off from has broken into various fragments and representations of the personality. Creeper 1,000,000 goes after them, eating them up before finding Jack and the last creeper together, and Jack has realized that he needs this creeper. The Creeper 1,000,000 merges the creepers he ate back into the last creeper and joins them back onto Jack, so Jack as the creeper resumes fighting crime with a newfound will and determination. Creeper 1,000,000 returns to the future, but then reveals that he didn't return all of the creeper's aspects. He kept the self-doubt Creeper and ended up killing it. After creeper that, was a million, Wonder Woman, like one coolest. million.
1: Creeper had like the coolest like look, though, I think, of any of the ones we've read so far.
0: Yeah, it was like a very graffiti-esque style. Yeah. For lack of a better term. Up next is Wonder Woman 1 million, which was written by Christopher Priest with art by Michael Collins, inks by John Stokens, letters by Pat Prentice, and colors by Ian Laughlin. Wonder Woman from the past came to the future and is currently on Venus, where the Amazons have made it into a paradise. And also, all of the Amazons she knew are apparently still alive. Diana is facing off with Artemis, who she never got along with in the past. Artemis knocks her back as they are having a fight and she ends up getting captured by a giant stone man but since none of the other Amazons can fly she figured the statue would be ready for her to fly so she lifted it off the island and dropped it into the water where the heavy pressure underwater allowed her to break free but she believes that Artemis has tried to kill her and falls unconscious only to wake up in the temple of healing where the purple ray heals them even if they have dead even if they have died. Artemis notes that they had to use an older bioscan to bring Wonder Woman back, and when she tries to call out Artemis for being too aggressive, Artemis is like, you can't judge me. And while Wonder Woman wa- and while Wonder Woman rests, watching the other heroes in their own tasks, the headnet reports that the JLA Prime, the heroes that she came from, may be bizarro imposters. Hippolyta, meanwhile, comes in with Artemis uh, who Hippolyta, meanwhile comes in with Artemis, who's been injured in a fight, and they try and heal her, but the purple ray starts hurting people instead, and Diana gets called out for sabotaging things, and that she might be one of those bizarre impostors which would explain why her genetic code did not match up with what was in the system. Hippolyta isn't having any of this and punches a guard. And there's a big fight between the people who are loyal to Hippolyta and the people who are loyal to Artemis. Wonder Woman tries to fly, Wonder Woman tries to fly away, but her powers are failing, and she can be injured now, which isn't normal. So she runs out, and lands in the force of Magala, the mystic, who was a cave woman who was killed by her partner and chose to live among the Amazons, where she studied magic. Magala's weird as hell. Yep. Anyways, Magala brought her. Uh, anyways, Megala brought her back to her house, which is a rack space. She reveals that the Purple Ray was altered and activated by scanning Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman realizes she needs to die again. So she goes back to fight some more, gets killed. And then Megala convinces Hippolyta to return her to the Ray. And she stays that is activated. The machine explodes because apparently it was also using Wonder Woman's energy as a battery or something. Artemis wasn't behind anything and the dead were restored including Wonder Woman who heads off to Jupiter it was a weird one yeah it was oh no I accidentally deleted that up next is Power of Shazam 1 million with uh, which was written and penciled by Jerry Ordway with inks by Dick Giordano colors by Glenn Whitmore with John Costanza on the letters. Sutra, who is a resident of the future planet Mercury, stumbles into the Rock of Eternity, where Captain Marvel sits in place of the Wizard Shazam, and Captain Marvel at this point is very old. He has a beard. He looks old. And at the time, Captain Marvel is asleep, so Sutra runs out with a few pieces of treasure, hoping to be able to reach the communications hub where she can lay a claim to this discovery that she's made. You find out that Mercury is the communications hub for the entire solar system, and the entire planet has been turned into massive data processors. And inside these processors is where the poor people live. Sutra returns to her son Tannis who is waiting for her with some treasure, but first she needs to go register it so they can turn their lives around. Tanis has a broken leg, so he stays behind to try and guard the base. Prospero, meanwhile, who is a rich addict who likes to live with the poor people, finds this entire thing curious and heads in. And because he has a connection to the headnet, he starts uh, staking his claim digitally. Tanis tries to stop him, but they both get sucked in. Prospero, who has a power icon and who is a massive dick, uh, tries to figure out who Captain Marvel is and burns off his beard, sees a thunderbolt on the outfit and thinks that he might be the Flash. As he questions who Captain Marvel is, this wakes Captain Marvel up, but his memory is hazy and he sees Freddy Freeman, who was Captain Marvel Jr., standing there explaining that he tried to stop Prospero and the others from getting in. Prospero, meanwhile, realizing he has no link to the headnet, decides to try and kill both Captain Marvel and Tannist, uh, blasting down a stalactite in a nice callback to the death of the original wizard Shazam, but Captain Marvel is able to save Tanist. When Prospero continues gloating, Captain Marvel ends up taking his power icon away. As Sutra returns, she sees the cave is now being swarmed by icon bearers, and in the scuffle, Sutra is trampled to death. Captain Marvel tries to move them away, out of the uh, Rock of Eternity, but they see this as a challenge, since he's an original superhero and they start attacking him. During the fight, his memory returns completely, and he realizes that he still hasn't helped Tanist. Meanwhile, the cave is being raided, but they run out and see that Sutra has been killed. Realizing that realizing that Tanis is an orphan like him, he tells Tannis to speak his name, and when he says Captain Marvel, he is transformed, which... It's supposed to be Shazam that transforms you, but I... It doesn't make a lot of sense. Anyways, suddenly all of the uh, information on the crowd... Er, Suddenly, all of the information yeah. on Atlanta cuts out, and the crowd blames them for this strangeness.
1: Here's the thing, Luke. Maybe he just wanted to try to rebrand, and that's why he decided to change some words up to try to draw on the new readers. Because this is DC One Million, so the maybe the Captain the Marvel Downsword name has, it has to once again sense, resumed but then we back never to get DC a
0: name for this Captain Marvel One Million. Uh, up next is uh, The check. Flash 1 million, which was written by Mark Wade and Michael Jan Friedman with pencils by Josh Hood, inks by Jose Marzan Jr. Colors by Tom McCrawl with Gasper on the letters. Captain Cold is holding a databank robbery while Heatwave, who is an information terrorist since his own account was deleted, are both reached out to by a mysterious force asking them to help commit some crimes. Meanwhile, the Flash from the past, Wally West, is racing around Mercury, and it is the richest planet in the galaxy. Wally's contest is that he is supposed to out himself. He ends up finishing the race, but feels that something is up with the speed force, and starts to feel sick while the information systems begin to act up. That is when Commander Cold and Heatwave show up, and they are in control of the Mercurian Net, and they have started using Flash's kinetic energy to power a superconductor, which will make Mercury start spinning, which will mess with the entire data flow for the planet. Cold then adds in the idea that this may not be the real Flash, which is why he was so easily tricked, and the Flash is stuck without his powers. Luckily, the air... uh, uh, Luckily, the kinetic energy from his running ends up catching up to him, and allows Flash to get out of the field, and the villains chase after him. Flash runs away from the battle letting them think that they've won for the time being and he heads into the slums accidentally ending up in the Rock of Eternity where he was trying to look for some of these other flashes that he heard about while the remaining ca- power people are fighting Col- uh, commander cold and heatwave show up the other icon users start fighting them allowing the flash to get some space before the captain marble's come in and they are able to stop captain cold and they are able to stop commander cold and heatwave unfortunately Mercury started uh, rotating, which is causing issues all over the planet. So Flash and the News Shazam's teamed up to help stop the planet from rotating. The Captain's Marvel work together to start fixing things on Mercury, and Flash believes that there is something more to the villains, and so he heads off to Jupiter with the Captain America's following to help out. With the Captain Marvels. Yeah. And they never...
1: Captain Marvels.
0: This was like the nineteen. When did the series come out again, Luke? <clears throat> Definitely before the one with the cats. Okay, so before Futurama. Uh,
1: 1998. Because uh, the fact that it was going from Captain Cold to Commander Cold. Yeah. It was making me think of the joke that Futurama uses where you have um, oh. Admiral Crunch and Archduke Yeah, I don't Chocula. remember that joke at all. I haven't done a rewatch. Ah, it's a great one. If you just wait long enough, you'll just get a nice, uh... uh, Up next,
0: we have Supergirl 1 million, which may be my least favorite of the entire issues. Well, what would you say is your
1: least favorite? Yeah, it wasn't the best. Uh... I... I thought Azrael was just too weird. I liked how I the really Azrael one was
0: just... He's
1: a really justice-bound
0: shithead, which was sort of a great follow-up to... Because this was post-Nightfall when Azrael had like replaced Batman, but he was too dumb and violent to do any good. So like, I like it as a commentary of that. But
1: yeah, yeah. Supergirl
0: 1 million is not good. It was written by Peter David with a dusty abel on pencils, inks by Norman Lee... With Gene D'Angelo on colors, Digital Chameleon on separations, and Comicraft on the lettering. I found out today that Digital Chameleon stayed around until two thousand three. Mhm. It's Canadian.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. At the same time, that means I uh, last like. A Durer more years is an after alien
0: this. in space who uh, got woken up, and we see that he has scratched an S symbol onto his chest. A group of aliens known as the Terry are trying to make peace with the uh, race that he is representing, and he is carefully working on solving what to do for this race. When he sees a humanoid shape on the monitor, which he recalls as the destroyer, of, which he recalls as the destroyer of worlds, which is Supergirl, who is a young girl on a space skateboard. Yeah. And... It turns out that she destroyed his homeworld, and yeah. she has haunted him, which is why he subconsciously scratched her symbol onto his chest. She ends up heading towards the zion beams aboard their ship and proceeds to do destructive, funny kid stuff, which destroys their fleet. And she's sad because there are no more ships for her to destroy. Dura flees in, a, Dura flees in an escape pod as Supergirl flies to the last zion ship and causes an energy explosion that knocks Dura's ship towards a son and Supergirl whose name is Ra'el ends up saving him and he makes her promise to be good if she wants to come along with him because he's her adoptive father or something. I... <sighs> it, it falls into like the Spidey yeah. baby level of stuff that's just yeah. not good to overly generic kid stuff because Supergirl had a series I like series why does it time. even really exist Beacon.
1: no I um, know. no no I'm talking about like the Spidey's Baby of like and, oh why uh, does this exist the last one
0: for this episode is Lobo One Million which was written by Fenal Grant on the script with Eventual Luzniak on pencils Immortal Propst on inks, Eternal Al Vasquez on colors, Future Al Pris- uh, Prismacolor on separations, and Artificial Oakley as the editor. I enjoyed that they did names, and also that all of them had Al as their first name. In a space carnival, a Barker is inviting the audience yeah. to see his main attraction, the main man, Lobo. If you don't know Lobo, he's pretty much... I don't know, how would you describe Lobo? Is it going to be the uh, clip of The Simpsons where Burns is asking for (coughs) Lobo? No? It is not. It's the one where Homer is saying that. Nope. Uh.
1: Okay. It is. It is. Lobo. Lobo. I don't know. I mean, Lobo, he's that guy. I don't know. I don't really... I, Lobo's design bothers me. To me, he's like Slipknot. <laughs> like the band, not the character. Well, in like, you look at me. A parody I'm parody and of cool. that, Like the
0: ultra-violent character who nobody can take down and nobody can stop. And he was made to be a parody. Anyways, a... Uh,
1: Yeah, but sometimes I feel like yeah. people forget that much in the same way with. Anyways, Deadpool.
0: a uh, kid says that uh, Lobo looks like a fat bastard, so Lobo breaks out of uh, the cell that he was in as the carnival declares, as the carnival barker declares that the only way to placate him is to give him more money. Meanwhile, a woman who looks like. Meanwhile, a woman who. Shit. Sure. Soon after, a woman who looks a lot like 80s Starfire in a business suit shows up to offer him 1 billion credits to work as a bounty hunter to chase and capture Mallow Perverso, who is reportedly a myth, but she insists that she was previously Mallow Perverso's lover, so Lobo storms off after blowing off the barker who wanted a cut of the money. Lobo stopped bounty hunting when it became illegal and he's also out of weapons, And his bike was taken away, so he decides to get some booze first with the money he he now has. He goes into Al's Diner, which is like a follow-up of the original Al's Diner, which was something that he like destroyed in every issue or every arc or something like that. And the diner now just... Yep. And the diner now just shares the idea of fast food dining, so Lobo ends up using the teleporter that they have to leave. Al wonders who would hire Lobo, and Darlene, who also works at the restaurant, reveals that she did it with a hollow disguise because she needed, because she thought that Lobo needed some self-esteem. And because he can't legally kill people, she has sent him after someone who isn't supposed to exist, but Al is worried that his diner is still going to end up getting destroyed. Lobo had a tracer put on his bike, and he finds... And he follows it into a tesseract, gets his stuff, and then he rips a hole open through the space and wanders into the Justice Legion wannabes headquarters, where he starts attacking. Meanwhile, in the Magellanic Clouds, where they are exchanging their ideas of peace and love uh, via the Orion Cluster, Lobo's ideas get broadcast, uh, causing their society to quickly devolve into a warlike chaotic one. Lobo tries to find Malo Perverso in the system and the actual Mallow Perverso shows up and starts fighting Lobo. Lobo brutally injures the guy, but it turns out to be Clayman, a member of the Justice League wannabes, and Lobo figures that, since Clayman was able to turn into Mallow Perverso, he should know where the actual one is, which is apparently past a black hole. Back at at Al's, the aliens from the Magellanic Cloud sent in a bomb that blew up the restaurant, and meanwhile, Lobo, after traveling through the black hole is stuck fighting fat demons. The next issue promises a page count of 200 per issue, with a price of three. And that... Mm-hmm.
1: Features to be real good, like Luke.
0: An artist, or you want to have consistent art teams, unless you have, like, art robots at this time.
1: Or they just do a bunch of reprints. Maybe that means that everything is free, Luke.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this wraps up the third part of our DC 1 million special. Next time. Aquaman, Green Lantern, more Superman, Resurrection Man, the conclusion of DC 1 million, plus Hitman and the Legion of Superheroes? Question mark, question mark, question mark uh multiverse Q is a weekly podcast usually we have more time to do good good editing and that sort of thing but this week we did not i don't think we even introduced ourselves this week or did the normal introduction i'm luke we did not and we're and i'm Devin. now we're multiversal Q one million and we were multiversal after Q. a million episodes we still have not learned what we're doing uh yeah but multiverse q is a weekly podcast sometimes we do bonus episodes if you enjoy the podcast make sure to check out our website like rate and review us on itunes and other systems you can email us at MultiversalQ at gmail.com or message us on the twitter uh we like to get questions when we can answer them if you are listening to this i will be at heroes con next weekend if you're listening to this before heroes con this year uh, I'll be tabling with Jill Hunter, and I will have a lot of comics, including Batman, or including Watchmen Aliens, which is my illegal Watchmen Aliens crossover comic. It's a parody, so it's technically legal. And, uh, Devin, where can people find you online?
1: You can find me online. You can find me at online at
0: 4thregraphs.com at which I continue to need to update that, and I'm not getting any closer to doing it. Join us next week for the final part of the main series of DC 1 million. And then the week after that, we are doing our Heroes Con special live from my apartment. And then after that, we're wrapping up DC 1 million. Until then... What what was that?
1: Oh, God. My bad. My phone kicked off. Donald was doing something. He was throwing binders around. Okay.
0: Uh, Until then, this one's for Hank.